there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Just that time of the week, advanced medicine. And boy, oh boy, we needed it. I'm glad to be home. Dr. Batar is glad to be home. And we're glad to be on a radio broadcast into the world. A message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. Dr. Batar, last week we were talking a bit about strategically what had happened with the movie Vaxxed. And seems like the best thing that could have ever happened to it happened by De Niro pulling it from the Tribeca Film Festival. And now everybody wants to see it as places are calling for its censoring. And it's it's backfiring on the bad guys. Well, that's true, but there was also another component that happened where they had De Niro on, I think it was the Today Show or... Yes. These shows, yeah, I think that's what it was. And uh, he actually stated that he regretted pulling it. Oh, not only that, but but that he his wife had said, because he wasn't as, as up on whatever had happened to his son, he said she watched him revert pretty soon after the MMR he now seems to believe that may have had a major contributing factor to his son being uh, in the autism uh, spectrum. Uh, so he's definitely on our side in that. He's happy that this message is getting out. He has urged everybody to see this film, and he even added into it Eric Gladden's uh, documentary film on Mercury called Trace Amounts. Right, right. He mentioned that, and he also said that he didn't want it to affect the Tribeca Film Festival, so that's why he went ahead and... Um, agreed to pull it but he said that it's something that he knows he has to deal with and he said he's just going to deal with it later but he said he just wanted to open up the conversation and the mere fact that they wouldn't consider opening up the conversation in itself um, is an important issue i mean if you think about it uh somebody who says it's a closed argument there's nothing to talk about that's highly suspect in itself because if there's something that's supposedly controversial how can you slam it shut. I actually had a drug insert sent to me by a patient in Australia, and um, it said in there, he, he was actually shocked because he said, look, just read this drug insert, and it basically said that it was a vaccine, and it said that it has been associated, in the drug insert, it said it had been associated with uh, uh, with autism. In fact, I'll see if I can find that um, that information that was sent to me so we can talk about it on the air. But, you know, I, I find it very interesting that, in fact, I think I sent it to you. It was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I sent you a copy of it. It was a text message that I sent you, Robert, and I don't know whether you remember that. But it was uh, specifically talking about a vaccine that had been developed and, and the association in the drug insert with um, potential of autism that's been right. associated with yes. autism. Yeah, in fact, it, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, the FDA uh, particularly and how, how, how well it's protecting not the public, but the drug industry and vaccine industry from the people that, that it harms. Of course, the FDA doesn't have to protect uh, the drug in, the, the manufacturers of vaccines because that was put into law by Congress uh, with the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which now many people are starting to call uh, a rep- for a repeal because, you know, to uh, remove liability from any company on the face of the earth, of course, it, it, to, to say that's risky is an understatement. And then to mandate the use of a product that has no liability is, is even, you know, more in violation of something called the Nuremberg Code. And 
you know, they, they took out a lot of Nazis based on this Nuremberg Code. And here we are looking the other way as, far, as federal bureaucracies like FDA uh, uh, violations of this code. Right, right. Well, this was um, autism is now, I found it, it's, autism is now disclosed and acknowledged as an adverse event reported for the use of DTaP vaccine. DTaP is the diphtheria and tetanus toxoid and acellular pertussis vaccine. And so the fact that's actually stated in the drug insert is very interesting. So anyone who says that it's a closed issue can't say it's a closed issue because here you've got already um, the... The Centers for Disease Control, as he says, um, FDA-approved diphtheria, tetanus, acellular pertussis vaccine, and the Centers for Disease Control recommends that infants be injected at two, four, and six months of age. The DTAP vaccine insert in plain text lists autism, sudden infant death seizures, up to grand mal, and more as adverse events. And that's what I actually had sent you via text. Mm-hmm. And all the references are here. But my point is that when the drug insert from the manufacturer states it already, then how can you say that it's a closed issue? How can you say it's a closed argument there's nothing to discuss anymore? That in itself is suspect. Yeah, I think they're, they've, they're, if they haven't outright lost the argument, they're definitely losing. That Their trend is, is, is in a downward spiral, I believe, because the more they call for censorship, the more they say the debate is over, uh, there is no room for questioning, the more people begin to question. And it didn't always yeah. happen that way, but we've come to a point of, uh, you know, whether it be the boiling the frog slowly and they've turned up the heat a little bit too quick with this uh, call for censorship of the film Vaxxed, regardless, more people than ever are questioning the role of federal agencies in protecting the health of an industry, that is the pharmaceutical industry, over the health of the American people. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Just the, um, the population that they were appointed to guard, they're rather... Um, protecting the interests of their masters, and so in itself, it's um, it's problematic. It's uh, there's a severe, severe conflict of interest. Yeah, and if we talk about the uh, uh, the insurance schemes, right? We've we talked about a legit, legitimate role for insurance. That is unexpected catastrophes, right? You're not expecting it, and and that's a role where a third party payer comes in. You kind of pool resources, so not everybody has total. Uh, is shielded from some degree of of, of harm, total harm, uh, and disaster. But the way the insurance uh, game has been played in America for a long time has been into more of a, a semi-welfare scenario, but it, it's not that either because you're paying into it uh, for the most part, not everybody. But then there's this mandatory thing called Obamacare, which uh, rose up 100 years after the Flexner Report. And it was supposed to be portable and affordable, and I think it's become neither. And insurance... Uh, I think Deb had sent this to me. Insurers warn Obamacare is unsustainable and expect premiums to rise again. I don't know if you see this. You don't take insurance, so that's a good a good thing. But I mean, people that are relying on it haven't come fully to realize that it's a, a scheme destined for failure, destined for bankruptcy. Well, it's just another tax is what it is. It's another form of taxation, and they just don't call it a tax, but that's what it is. Yeah, but they fine you if you don't, uh, I guess, uh, participate. That's the that's the theory anyway. Perhaps that's why it was called a fine, but they had to maneuver it and say it wasn't a fine or it was a fine. It was so confusing by the time Justice Roberts played one for the pharmaceutical industry on the Supreme Court level and said it's constitutional because it's a tax or it's not a tax. I don't even remember anymore. It's so convoluted. But the reality is to participate in this scheme is to your own detriment. Because even those who feel like they need some kind of insurance coverage 
maybe they don't recognize yet that the kind of things that it covers is just as dangerous as perhaps the disease they're, they're, they may claim to treat. Oh, it's killing three birds with one stone. So <laughs> if you do it, you're going to hurt yourself. If you don't do it, you get fined on top of that. And then, of course, you're getting damaged uh, if you're partaking in Obamacare anyway because they're uh, essentially promoting things that for the vast, majority of things that they go, they're going to uh, um, be addressing are not going to be beneficial because it's, again, chronic um, palliative type of medicine. It's not mm-hmm. definitive cure type medicine. Uh, the only place that that would come into play would be more the acute care, more the trauma type care. Sure. Everything that, else th- is... That's the unexpected trauma. catastrophe I was talking about, legitimate insurance. And if you yeah. were able to buy just that alone, most people... Almost anywhere on the economic scale could could afford that kind of insurance because the premiums are very low for that versus what they have now, where they're covering uh, diagnostic tests that may or may not be actually necessary and helpful, maybe in fact harmful. They cover, of course, drugs, which may in fact be harmful by definition. They're not covering homeopathic medicine. They're not covering massage therapy. They're not covering acupuncture. They're not covering uh, you know healing modalities. They're not covering organic food. They're not covering detoxification, right? Unless I, I got it wrong. Maybe in some state they've got some kind of uh, pilot program where they are. But for the most part, this is not health care. As I've said, it's disease management. It's uh, basically third-party payers for pills, and Big Pharma runs away with the cash. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, Robert. And they've also got now new electronic medical records mandated by the government that are actually flagging people uh, if they haven't had certain types of vaccines, uh, certain types of um, what they categorize as preventive medicine that to you and me would be detrimental in, uh, you know, by definition, they're detrimental just because of the things that they're doing. And they call it, um, there was a certain, they're monitoring it for, um, I can't remember the exact word that was used. I think something to do with dissidence, medical dissidence. Or, I can't remember okay. exactly the terminology that was used. Well, but not, again, how about very, non-com- non-compliance maybe? I don't know if those the terms are using. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was a term. It was actually a patient of mine that is uh, contracted to work with the government to set up this new... No, it's called disease surveillance. That's what it was. It was disease surveillance, and those people that are not uh, partaking in the preventive medicine are violating the disease surveillance uh, preventive models and uh, are creating a risk for the rest. Again, coming back to that herd mentality thing. Right, right. Yeah, if you don't vaccinate, you're risking my baby, uh, besides the fact that... Uh, they're asking you to risk your baby's life uh, to save theirs. And I don't know about you, but if, if it comes down to my kids or your kids, you know, what are you going to choose, right? And I perceive, as as I do, that these vaccines are very dangerous, and you don't know which one is the one that could be the terminal shot. And to say that, that I have to do that so that your child is protected, it's absurd. It also acknowledges that, va- you, you know, your belief in vaccines is not complete, even though you want everybody to, t- to partake in it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I don't believe the vaccines are going to protect my child because obviously I'm concerned that your child not getting vaccinated is going to be a bigger threat to my child. Therefore, by definition, you've just admitted that you don't believe in vaccines anyway, but because you just jumped off the cliff yeah. or off the proverbial bridge, you want everybody else to jump off the proverbial bridge. And that's that's a ludicrous, ignorant, idiotic argument that will never hold water. Yeah, exactly. But we're dealing with still with high levels of ignorance, but... With the uh, calls, overt calls for censorship of this documentary film, Vaxxed, 
Uh, we're moving the uh, so-called football closer to the goal line. That is where everybody becomes aware that the federal government is not in business to protect you from dangerous food and drugs. It's in the business of protecting the manufacturers of those dangerous drugs and vaccines from your, how would we say, uh, response, which, you know, in, in many cases would be a lawsuit or calls for criminal prosecution for what they're doing to you. Doctors as well for engaging in that risky behavior by injecting these things in infants. At what point does the buck stop with them? We'll ask Dr. Batar that and more after this break. Advanced Medicine on Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, we are live with Dr. Rasha Bittar as we are each and every week. We kick it off together, Advanced Medicine. If you ever miss a show, of course, you can go to medicalrewind.com, the easiest place, hundreds of hours of archives free for you to download and plug into the healing wisdom that we share here. Also, as international best-selling book, if you haven't gotten it yet, you're new to the show, that's okay. We love all our new listeners. Uh, and that is the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Now, of course, all, uh, for many years we've been talking about the heavy metal mercury and others. Uh, there's a medical journal article, uh, though, recently that is The Lancet. And it was just a couple of years ago, I believe. Uh, they pointed to fluoride as a neurotoxin. Not like that's new to us, but still, they said, to have that linked in the same category as mer- mercury, lead, and arsenic and still have any municipality in the United States or Canada adding it to the water supply. I mean, this to me is another a, cr- a crime. You know, it, it brings in the Nuremberg uh, trial scenario because it's uh, it's forced drugging of the entire population without informed consent. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And they've done studies where this showed, of course, you know about the synergistic effects of metals. For example, there's only one specific study that's looked at the synergistic components of metals of heavy metals, and they looked specifically at lead, mercury, and cadmium. And the study was done in the 1970s. I think it was in 1972. And it's the only study that I am aware of that they actually looked at how putting these metals together in the same population increases the uh, the, the negative effects. And uh, so they take a LD1 of mercury, enough mercury to kill one out of 100 people, and LD1 of lead, enough lead to kill out one out of 100 people, put it in the same 100 people, and you will have an LD100. You will kill all 100 people. So enough lead to kill one out of 100 people, enough mercury to kill one out of 100 people, put them in the same 100 people. You will not kill one or two or five or ten. You'll kill all 100 people. Well, fluoride has actually been shown that when you add fluoride to that combination, you increase the uh, potency of that poison, of the of that toxic substance, and you will increase that to an LD1000. Wow. Yeah, we've talked about the uh, the additive fluoride as a, you know, a waste product of bauxite and aluminum mining, and it's uh, a brilliant strategy, although an evil one, for that industry to say, you know what, we'll have to pay, you know, hazardous waste materials disposal fees unless we can sell it to stupid people around the country. And the stupid people primarily are in Congress. 
and in state legislatures and then local municipalities. And if they're not outright stupid, then they're willing to be bought off, which could be considered worse because that gets into the realm of evil that you're saying, well, yeah, if you pay me money, I'll be happy to poison my fellow man, woman, and child in my community. Wow, Robert. I had no idea that was the background of how fluoride got out there. I, I did not know that. Yeah, indeed. I'm I mean, this is this is the starting point. I really had no idea. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, though, if you're in an industry and you have a waste product that would cost you a fortune, probably eke into your profits, make, maybe even making your industry unprofitable, you, you find strategies and say, you know, how can we take this waste product and make it a marketable product that people would actually pay for? And that is uh, that was what set the strategy in motion, of course, the phony science that claimed that fluoride was actually good for your teeth. It wasn't. It was a toxic poison for bacteria that could decay your teeth. And then they said, well, that's why it works. But then again, why ingest it? Why put it in the water supply? If it's really a, a, a local agent as a topical agent, it's the only place you could defend it. Even that is unnecessary because we have so many other natural uh, botanicals, essential oils, even silver that can neutralize, or xylitol is a simple sugar that can neutralize these bacteria without destroying the nerves or increasing the uptake of heavy metals. Yeah. In fact, uh, the uh, Price Foundation, what is it? Um, Weston Price? Uh, Weston Price Foundation. You know, Weston Price did a lot of research on that, and he went all over the world, and he looked at all the populations that were using fluoride and how they caused detrimental in the um, skeletal formation and not just in the dental skeletal formation but in all sorts of different long bones and such and uh, he was a dentist right yes yeah so I mean just his research showed clearly that one should not be using fluoride and that was God what was that 70 80 years ago yeah it's not like it's new information but uh you know, a memo to all our new listeners, if, it, if it's new, uh, it's okay. Uh, we, You know, as they say, better late than never. Uh, and, of course, detoxification is a critical part of your recovery, something we talk about uh, consistently here on the show, as well as uh, you'll have a lot of strategies revealed to you in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Also linked up in the show notes. Check it out by Dr. Bittar. Of course, Unlock the Power to Heal, uh, the book I wrote with uh, Ty Bollinger as well, is helpful. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I tell you what might have an expiration date. The Skepduck so-called quackbusters, they are flipping out over Mike Adams' latest article uh, picking on poor David Gorski. What is he, a chemo drug doctor, Dr. Batari? You know about this Gorski guy? Yeah, unfortunately, I know a little too much about this idiot. Um, did I say that on the air? I'm sorry. I meant to, meet, I meant to say uh, freaking idiot. Um <laughs> Wait a second. He, he he has a degree, a degree. This guy is this guy is really an, a a class act, not so. Um, I had a patient of mine years ago, probably. Oh, it must have been in 
in like 2007, 2006, 2007. It was after the, my congressional testimony, after Abi testified in front of Congress. And at that time, there was this guy, Orak. Nobody knew who he was. Actually, he was posing as a mother, a single parent, single mother uh, of an autistic child. That's who Orak was. So everybody thought that this was, there was this woman that was a very outspoken critic of people that spoke out against vaccinations. And she uh, was a child with autism, and she knew it had nothing to do with vaccines. That's what everybody thought ORAC was. And this patient of mine, this child that I was treating, his father was a security analyst for Microsoft. He did some security work for Microsoft, and he traced this, this, uh, he traced 12 people. There were 12 people that were attacking me on the Internet at that time really, really vehemently, and found out that all these 12 people with all, you know, all different identities were traced back to two ISP addresses, both of them card-carrying surgical oncologists um, with quack busters. And one of them was Gorski. And uh, he was actually the one, ORAC. Now, he kept his, his pseudonym of ORAC, but that's how ORAC was discovered to be a um, not a woman, but but a man, and well, we we don't we don't know if he's a cross dresser or not. We don't. Well, we, that's right. We don't know that. And actually, uh, another gentleman by the name of J.B. Hanley uh, mm-hmm. wrote basically um, tore him apart. This was back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Just literally tore him apart. Um, I had actually provided J.B. with this information, or had come up at a conference and. Um, so tore him apart that the guy couldn't even admit who he was and uh, did a scathing review about Gorski. And then after that, people find out who he was. But it was interesting that these 12 people were actually two people, and both of them card-carrying members of Quackbusters, both uh, doctors. And one of the things was that this guy, Gorski, he had, I, I'd never responded to any of his antics or threats, or not threats, but, you know, his criticisms, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things that JB had written about was, you know, he goes, the question that I have, Dr. Buttar is so busy taking care of his patients, but if you're a surgeon and you have this much time and effort that you put forward in responding to all these articles online and these blogs, when do you have pra- time to practice actual medicine? And, of course, you know, that was a, that was a question that came up and it was never answered. So um, when people are writing and have such a presence on the Internet, that how could I mean how can this guy be doing any research? How can we see any patients? How could he be doing anything legitimate? The, the answer is he's not. He's got his trolls doing whatever they're doing in the laboratory, and he's too busy putting these types of uh, articles out and creating mass havoc for people. Yeah, well they're they're in desperation mode right now because of the movie Vaxxed and what it's bringing out uh, to the general population who had maybe only a mild passing interest. Maybe they hadn't really considered how devastating this autism epidemic is and and that it might be linked, in fact, to vaccines. And now this is happening. You know, they pretty much thought they had control of the the messaging, but they're quickly losing control of the messaging. And more people, uh, you know, more people than ever are now uh, just becoming aware of something that we've been talking about for many years on this on this show and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mike's article is really interesting. Um, besides the facts of all the, uh, besides all the facts that he outlines on here, one thing that's really interesting is how this guy Gorski he he makes certain statements that people, for example, people that have conflicts of interest, 
but don't disclose them, should be, um, you know, ashamed of themselves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he won't disclose his own conflicts of interest, and and that's really where it comes down to that he, there's a drug that Wayne State University is developing that he's involved with, and they're not talking about the use of that drug with autism, but they're apparently already experimenting with it. So um, this conflict of interest. Uh, in fact, Mike goes on to say, general principle is that undisclosed potential conflicts of interest are a far more concern and potentially far more damaging to the scientific process than disclosed conflicts of interest. This is what Gorski wrote uh, in defense of vaccine propagandist Paul Offit, who's made millions of uh, dollars on vaccines um, and routinely conceals his conflicts of interest. But Gorski has also said that a, his definition of a true shill is who, one who conceals his ties to big pharma and pretends to be objective should be exposed, and yet that's exactly what he's doing. He's concealing his ties to big pharma, and and has not disclosed his conflicts of interest. Yeah, well, as we've known in talking about the shifts in consciousness, the growth of awareness, uh, these people are going to come out into the light and be burnt to a crisp by that light as it disinfects the germs that they are. Right. Right. Yeah, right here in the article it goes on to say, but Gorski will not come clean about his own conflict of interest, writes Jake Crosby, writing for Age of Autism. While Gorski is extremely outspoken about autism not being caused by vaccines, he mentions little about what he has to gain from this position. And so then when you start to delve into it, you start realizing what his agenda is and why he's saying it. And, you know, the thing is that people like you and me, Robert, our agenda is out there for anybody to see. Anybody can go and look at what our motivation is, what our reasons are. Um, this is our life. Uh, but then many of these other people that are going out there and promoting the opposite, um, nobody really knows what their agenda is because they hide behind this false sense of uh, interest of the public and uh, this herd mentality issue. You know, we, we want you to start doing vaccines and taking vaccines for your children because these people that are considered anti-vaxxers, which, by the way, we are not anti-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine, Robert. You're not anti-vaccine. We're pro-vaccine safety. And that's the whole issue. When you start giving poisons into the body, there's nothing safety or preventive about giving a person uh, a substance that's going to repress, yeah. depress their immune system and further expose them to, to damage. Yeah, um, I was on so, the, the, the Jerry Doyle show last week, and uh, you know, I brought this issue up because obviously with Robert De Niro speaking out on the vaccine issue in the movie Vaxxed, it's making obviously mainstream news, mainstream talk show news. And I said to Jerry Doyle, I asked the question, I said, if I am uh, questioning the safety of, of a car, you know, and I say, you know what, I, I'd like to see more safety measures. I want to make sure the seatbelts work and the airbags are functioning. Does that make me anti-car? And he said, well, no, of course not. So think about this. Why is it that those that are asking for, you know, raising issues of safety over vaccines, why are they immediately called anti-vaccines or anti-vaxxers? And, you know, you start thinking about that and you go, wait a second, you're right. They've really altered the use of the language for devious purposes. Right, because that would be like causing, saying that people like you and I are anti-car people, anti-transportation people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we want better seatbelts, right? That, oh, you're anti-car. You don't want people to go anywhere. Uh, exactly. And, you know, it, it was an interesting story, too. Last week I was in Washington, D.C. for a major press conference as there was a petition put up to the... Uh, uh, the TTB, which is now the Bureau of, uh, well, an alcohol board, because there was a man in India uh, from a pharmaceutical family, big pharmaceutical conglomerate, kind of left the, the daddy's company uh, to develop 
an interesting form of alcohol, an additive, a three three pronged of additive to alcohol that was all GRAS ingredients, botanical ingredients. That in combination and in concert, it reduced liver damage and DNA damage from the alcohol consumption by a whopping ninety three percent. Now, I don't drink alcohol really. I don't, and and I have, but I don't, and you don't. Uh, Jonathan Emord, the lawyer who dropped this on, didn't. Carol Alt was there with me. She doesn't drink. But it was the principle of the thing. If you could have a safer product that people are going to use, would you like to see fewer people with liver damage and cirrhosis? Yes, I would. But <laughs> there are people that say, well, that encourages people to drink more. I think the people who are going to drink are going to drink. They don't think about whether it's going to kill their liver or not. Can we reduce the cost to the society of liver cirrhosis. Yes, we could. And the the government is fighting tooth and nail against anybody knowing about this. Yeah, you know, this you can take this to the next level, Robert. And we've talked about the responsibility, personal responsibility, people taking personal responsibility for their own actions, people taking personal responsibility for their own decisions, for their own life choices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. You know, you no matter how much you blame a spoon, you can ban spoons, you can find spoons, you can say the spoons are the worst thing ever developed, but you cannot blame the spoons for causing obesity. Um, you know, it's like like mm-hmm. what uh, they've tried to do with the Second Amendment and say that guns are why, what's why there's all this violence out there. I mean, that's the most idiotic thing. Guns don't... People that have uh, licenses to carry weapons, they're not the ones that are going out there committing these crimes. Those are the unlicensed people, and... And controlling guns is never going to eliminate the violence. In fact, if anything, it's going to promote violence. So it's the same argument saying, hey, we should make spoons illegal because spoons cause obesity because we have a rising epidemic of obesity. You know, I know it's taking this to a, to a ridiculous level, the argument, but you understand what the point is because you can take this and where do you stop? Where do you end? Where does right. the argument finally you know, come to a conclusion? Sure. Well, I opened the show today talking about dangerous dietary supplements increasing the risk for kidney failure. And I thought, wow, is the FDA finally doing something that is, is going to make something that's really dangerous safe? Well, no. The actual story was about drugs, a whole class of drugs called PPIs, which we've talked about here. And they're linking them. They've already linked them to dementia, but now they're linking them to, to renal failure. And yet there are no calls for congressional hearings. There's nobody calling for recalls of those drugs, the PPIs, which are everywhere, prescription and over-the-counter. There's no calls for black box warning labels even. Yet if a dietary supplement were causing increased risk for renal failure, there would be congressional hearings. They would shut down the manufacturer. They would fine or try to threaten imprisonment for someone that does that. So it, it has to be very clear now, clearer than ever before, that these agencies in the government have no interest in protecting the public. They're protecting the economic interests of the small group of monopolists in the drug field. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Yeah, very interesting times we live in. And we're up on a break. <laughs> Advanced medicine, in so many ways, it is so cool to hang out with Dr. Batar each and every week right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. MedicalRewind.com, easy place to get archives. You can check him out also on the web at Dr. Batar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. Links are there. We'll be back to wrap it up with, uh, well, some interesting stories. We'll see what's left. And, uh, well, tell your friends, the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty is right here. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. 
All right, the Bureau of Land Management has released the final programmatic environmental impact statement, examines the use of three new herbicides, and they've come out strongly against herbicides. How, how dare the BLM do that? Is that what it says, Super Don? They're strongly against herbicides? I, can't, I don't believe the Bureau of Land they, Management. This well, you can't want safer herbicides and be for herbicides, so that automatically means they're anti-herbicide. I oh, mean, if we're gonna, okay. You, right, so, see, right? see, Isn't that just how like that? Yeah, you call for a safer car, you're against cars. You call for a safer herbicide, you're against herbicides. Of course, uh, herbicides are problematic. You know, when you kill the plant uh, material, of course, what, what, is the, what is the impact on up the food chain, right? Or the food pyramid or the food... Uh, circle of life whatever you want to call it and dr batar there's an interesting study just uh being highlighted in this one article we have linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com it indicates that even one week as little as one week of organic consumption in other words switching to organically grown food versus so-called conventional foods with pesticides and etc it leads to a 90 percent reduction in pesticide poisoning according to to this new study. This is validating some other material reports we've covered over the years, but more evidence that simply cleaning up your act, and we're not saying it gets everything out of your system in that fast, but man, oh man, does it reduce the in- inflow. So you said in one week, one week consumption of what? Organic food versus conventional food. It leads to a 90% reduction in pesticide poisoning. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, 89%. Hey, listen, not to change the subject, I just got yeah. a quick point. This, this guy that... Um, that Mike refers to in his article about ORAC, this Jake Crosby. I didn't know, but he's a college student? Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, he's I don't a know college this. student. Jake Crosby is a college student at Brandeis University who's double majoring in history and health science, society and policy, and is a contributing editor to Age of Autism. That's pretty impressive. This this guy is just a college student, and he's, he's already dissected uh, uh, one of the top three idiots on the planet. Wow. I wonder if it's like the son of, of Crosby with Age of Autism or something. I don't know. I don't know if there's a relationship there. That's interesting. But, yeah, but it shows you that there are bright lights in the younger generations. We, we've we talked about that, that uh, those that haven't been severely damaged by vaccines, you know, have come in to really transform this planet for a good way. And I think the vaccines we've talked about are an attempt on some level to, and it's a sinister plot and plan that they've implemented, to reduce the ability of these young people to come in and make positive changes. Yep, yep. Here, hey Don, this one's for you. This is a in, in one of the blogs. As I'm I'm sitting here. This is the only time that I haven't wasted. You know, when I'm <laughs> when I'm on the radio show, this is when I read the stuff that you guys send me. And this is when I actually start reading some of these blogs. But this is great. This one's for Don. This is what other professionals say about Dr. Gorski. These are quotes: enjoys manipulating evidence to influence opinion. Another quote, creepy doctor. Another one, from a medical resident, a dishonest, unethical little twit. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that like, that's like from uh, like the health grades or something like that, where people talk, you know, with like the professional website where people can give reviews on him. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. I'm sure somebody probably put in a quote. I tried to see him, but he's too busy writing on blogs about people who don't believe in vaccines. Complaint has been made before. Yeah, 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 that is that's the truth. That's really what did happen. Um, We talked. That was actually written about. I think Mike had written about that. That's exactly what did happen. So patients have complained because he wasn't available to see them, and they said that when they did see him, it was evident that he was more interested in getting him in a trial than than he cared about the patient. Right. I don't remember but, where 
By the way, uh, our, one of our listeners, Carrie, writes, Dr. Batar nailed it today. He is absolutely correct. They are too busy in front of a computer, in reference to people like Gorski, who are supposedly doctors, but they're just all they're doing is online trying to diss people who have different belief systems. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have to say something. We really missed the show today. We really did a disservice to our listeners because we spent far too much attention on this idiot. Where attention goes, energy flows, and we just gave him too much energy, so we should change the subject. (laughs) Right, right, but he's squirming, so it's okay. It's okay. Well, listen, bringing it back to the positive, again, if you simply make better choices, dietary choices, it can transform your life in relatively uh, short time period, as evidenced by this latest study. Now, of course, we want to... Oh, we're out of time anyway, so what the heck? We want to promote detoxification. Dr. Vitar writes about it extensively and, of course, helps his patients, kids included, to eliminate these dangerous things that other people seem to think are okay to inject into children. But not here, not now, not ever, not on the Robert Scott Bell Show, not with Dr. Batar, not on advanced medicine. Dr. Batar, you got one more sentence to say to the folks, and you know what it is. What is it? The power to heal is yours. Yes, it is. 